Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to um, this beautiful podcast called Beyond Norm. I'm so happy to be back here with you today after a long pause. Uh, we're welcoming a dear teacher who helped me a lot in the past year and a half, questioning my thoughts, looking at any issues I was facing with different eyes. Her name is Margot Diskin. She's a certified teacher uh, since 2013 for the work who I've talked a few times about, which is Byron Katie's questions uh, in order to question our thoughts. Uh, Margot has a retreat center, a website called Le Bonheur en Question. She's French, but speaks English fluently. She is the, in, the translator for Byron Katie when she comes to France, also works with her closely, uh, translates her books in French. So I think we're in good hands today. And so I welcome you, Margot. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you for this invitation. Um, so um, you are the first person I thought about when the idea came to me that it was about time to restart this podcast, Beyond Norms, because the way you uh, question whatever comes to us is very much beyond norms. And though it is beyond norms, it also creates much more presence and reality with what truly is. Can you tell us more about the work you do, please? Okay, so I'm a certified facilitator of the work of Byron Katie. What does that mean? It means that I, um, I bring people through a process of questioning their thoughts. It's, uh, it's a kind of investigation, a kind of inquiry. So what we do in the work of Byron Katie is we collect the thoughts that basically cause a lot of harm and suffering within us. Thoughts like, my mother never loved me, or um, I'm not good enough, and so on. The list can be very long. So we, um, we collect those thoughts, and once we've collected them, we question them thanks to four easy questions. And this process brings us to a state of understanding, a state of mind very different from our normal, habitual way of thinking. So it's a way to um, deconstruct the belief systems that do not serve us. Mm. Can you tell us what those questions are, please? Absolutely. And uh, before I do, I'd like to um, um, I, I'd like to point out that this is a meditation process. So those questions may sound a little silly when we are not meditating on them. However, when we start answering them with curiosity, with honesty, and with an open mind and an open heart, they can really lead us to a wonderful states of clarity, peace, and happiness. So the first question is, is it true? So for example, let's say I have the thought that my neighbor doesn't like me, okay? So the first question I would ask is, is it true? 
And of course, I, I asked this question to myself. Um, and the answer can only be yes or no. If I answer yes, I move to the second question, which is, can I absolutely know that it's true that my neighbor doesn't like me, for example? Can I really know that? Do I have a way of knowing that? Okay, and once again, the answer is yes or no. And then to, we move to the third question, which is how do I react when I believe that thought? My neighbor doesn't like me. And then we go into um, an exploration of everything we feel, everything we see inside of our head, all our reactions, how we greet the guy when we meet him on the street, all the ways our behavior, both internal behavior, our emotions, sensations, other thoughts, and our external uh, reactions are affected by that thought. And once we've made a, a full inventory of all of our reactions, we go to the fourth question, which is who would I be without the thought? Let's say I meet my neighbor on the street and I don't have the thought, he doesn't like me, who would I be? And once again, it's a, it can be a very deep meditation and then we take the same thought and we turn it around. For example, there's the turnaround towards self, which goes, um, my neighbor doesn't like me, which means I don't like me. What do I not like in the way I react and I treat myself when I'm angry with him or when uh, I, I have some um, bitterness towards him? It could be that there's aspects of myself I don't like in there. Another turnaround would be, uh, I don't like him. And again, I'm going to find examples of how I talk to myself about that guy, okay? And uh, what I don't like about him. And then a third turnaround would be um, to the opposite. We call it to the opposite. And it would be, um, we go from my neighbor doesn't like me to my neighbor does like me. And as strange as it may seem, we can always find examples, no matter how small, that, that go to show that actually he does like me. Okay, sometimes, at least sometimes. And that, so the, what we do with those turnarounds is we find examples to show that the opposites of what I think originally, my original thought, are at least as true, if not truer than the original thought. And this process, the four questions, the turnarounds and their examples, uh, invites the mind to reconsider what it um, saw as true. And it's a kind of self-education to broaden our perspective on events. And uh, it's as strange as it may seem, this very simple process is extremely liberating. I've experienced that, um, though with, with stronger issues, right? At times it's required a lot of self-inquiry and inventory as to the thoughts that were causing me pain. But then you truly start to realize that your internal world, your thoughts, your emotions create your reality. So 
it is from there that once you start questioning how you think and what's happening internally, like you, you can start having a shift in perspective and literally seeing things differently, which some call as a miracle, because it is. Um, I would like to share an example of somebody being quite aggressive with me this year on the on the number of times and me not taking responsibility for it or not understanding why they were, though not verbally, but that was through a written form screaming at me. And it's through our work together, Margo, that I started questioning my part in it and why what I was not hearing and what that why that person needed to scream, literally. And from there, I have to say that I've had a huge internal shift and did not even, you know, maybe shared what I had realized with that person. And I touched wood from then on, from since then, and it's been end of the year. Um, I've had a kind, peaceful and and communicate and a relationship based on communication with that person, which for me was something I, I could not even imagine. Um, yes. Yeah, that's, that's quite a, a common reaction. Um, people, I often hear people say that, that they couldn't imagine that such a simple process could be that freeing. And uh, there are now hundreds of thousands of people in the world who practice this work and free themselves from their stressful thoughts. And it's exactly what you said. What changes is their vision. You know, once you cast a different eye on a person or a situation, you get to apprehend it with more um, clarity, more um, intelligence, is the right word, I think, more wisdom. And you tend to react in a more, in a wiser way, in a more peaceful way. And it doesn't mean that you don't do anything, that you become passive, like a doormat. Not at all. It's just that you know how to act uh, kindly. And uh, it makes all the difference. And... Um, this work has helped families, family conflicts get resolved, um, issues around addictions or health problems. Um, because when we have a health problem, we have usually two problems. There's already being sick is not fun. But if on top of it, your mind starts uh, producing all kinds of thoughts about you never getting better and your life will never be the same and I'm going to be in pain forever and then it's, it's double the suffering, isn't it? So this work, as simple as it may seem, um, uh, can affect, can um, relieve people from a number of very stressful uh, situations. Um, when I uh, guide meditation, especially one-on-one -on -one sessions, um, we always talk about the stories 
the stories people come to me in this case with their own story. And once I realized that the pain they're going through is, as we say in meditation, dirty pain instead of clean pain, no disrespect for the pain. But the dirty pain is the pain that is there on top of the story as that is that we project in the future. I will never be okay. I will never get that. I will, my life will be different and will be worse. Um, nobody knows what the future is made out of, but the dirty pain is what creates the suffering, as you say. And then we talk about clean pain, the genuine pain of the loss, of the mourning, of what life has brought upon us and of how we're now having to face it and deal with it. Um, I also like the idea of mirroring um, and how whatever we're facing, whether it's a thought or a situation with somebody that is creating a lot of pain or contraction, we can, and through this work of Byron Katie, we can question it and have tools to, to take actions or to change the way we look at things and, um, and to relieve ourselves, as you said, so rightfully from what is. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the notion of regrets because I've heard you a few times when I would voice about my own regrets, saying that there's, I, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but is there such a thing as regrets? And what is your view on doing something that we thought we shouldn't have done or living in a certain way that we wish we didn't? And what is your take on that? And what is the work's take on that, please? Okay. When we consider the past, we cannot visit the past. We can only visit the vision we have of the past images in our mind that we call the past, but it's not the past. You cannot go back to yesterday morning, okay? So you're gonna have an image of you, what you did yesterday morning, or what you did five years ago or whatever, okay? You're going to call that your past, but it's not. It's an image in your mind. And when you feel regret, you compare this image in your mind of what you think you did with um, another image in your mind, which is usually very embellished of, what your life would have been like if you hadn't done what you did in that other image. So you compare an image, which is not truth, with another image, which is not truth either. And you pretend to know that one would have been better than the other. But if you look at it with a little bit of, dis of discernment, you'll see that in both cases, you lie to yourself. You lie to yourself saying, I did that. And those are the consequences. You can never know all the consequences of one of your acts. You can never know. Okay. And bad or good, it belongs to life. It doesn't belong to you and your perception. And you can never know that if you had acted differently, things would have been better. That you can never know either. So one image is a lie and the other image is a lie as well. So that's my take on regret. It's a waste of time because you can never know 
I'm sure you've you've already um, heard stories of somebody who breaks a leg and regrets having whatever climbed that ladder, but in fact, breaking a leg leads them to meeting the love of their life or da di da di da So regrets over what exactly? If we don't have all the data, if we don't know all the consequences of one thing we did, how can we judge that it should have been different? Do you get me? Completely, and thank you for sharing that. Um, my next question, though, is about the the required maybe mindfulness or state of mind in order to start taking on this work. Um, you know, some somebody who might be listening to this conversation might think, okay, no, there is nothing I can do to change that person in my life, or there is nothing you know, I can do, or it's easier said than done. My life is such and such a way. Okay. What is the required or recommended state of mind in order to begin questioning the thoughts that contract us or cause us pain or yeah, whether it's about ourselves, somebody else, our neighbors, life what is what how do we get there well first of all you mentioned uh some people who would be thinking there's no way i can change such and such a person that's true it's not your job and yes you will not succeed <laughs> you'll have a war on your hands and that's about it okay so that's absolutely not the purpose of this work changing another person not even changing oneself i'm going to address that in a moment Uh, what you can do is change the way you see somebody, okay? It's as if we see people through blinkers. And um, when we do the work, we see that person with our heart, not with our fear. So how can we approach this work? In what state of mind? Well, it takes an open mind. When we have an open mind, we have an open heart. Closed mind, closed heart. So personally, when I uh, met this work for the first time, my mind was closed, my heart was closed. I wanted to have nothing to do with this thing. I found it stupid and I couldn't see how it could help me. So I was close to it for something close to 12 or 15 years. I can't remember now. But every time it crossed my path, I was really not open to it. I hadn't understood it with the heart what it could do and what it could bring me but when i heard the call when something like a crack opened in my armor of defensive thoughts when the, the light started coming in in spite of all my resistance then it made sense and i realized that's what i had been waiting for all my life So what changed? My mind opened to the fact that I am not who I believe myself to be. This voice in my head that tells me I'm like this and I'm like that and I'm this and I'm that and such and such a person is this and is like this and is going to do this to me or has done that to me. That voice is just literally a voice. 
it's not who am I, who I am. I am what's listening to the voice. And I can either believe everything that that voice is telling me, or I can question it and free myself from it and, get, and start seeing the world myself and other people under a different light. So it requires this little shift where I become the spectator of my own mind rather than the one that believes everything it says. Okay? So that's what I, I call an open mind. And of course, it's going to require a little bit of courage because we are in love with our belief system and we would defend it to the death. Have a, being right is one of our greatest pursuits in life, okay? And for once, we're not going to be right in our own eyes, okay? Um, so a little bit of courage, a little bit of humility is required to admit to oneself, mm-hmm, that's not, things are not exactly the way I believed them to be. So open mind, a little bit of courage, a little bit of humility, and also curiosity, because this is a, a path of self-exploration and self-knowledge. You're, you're going to um, drop your, your ego or parts of your ego uh, doing this work, but you're also going to meet with your tr true nature, which is openness, which is tolerance, which is love, which is wisdom. So um, there is a point, usually when people start with this work, there can be a little bit of resistance. They don't, you know, the process seems a little harsh in their eyes and they tend to defend themselves a little bit. But often enough, there's a moment of where they realize that um, it's, it's a path. It's not the only one, but it's a path to peace and getting on better with oneself, with others. It's, um, it's, it changes everything in your life. Questioning your mind can change everything in your life. And I really mean that. It comes from experience. Um, would you recommend anyone who is going through a difficult time, whether with themselves or with somebody who is dear to them in their life, to question their mind? Anyone who is open to it, yeah. It's quite a, it's quite a trip. Are you um, abiding to the saying it takes two to tangle? Yeah, I mean, people come to me voluntarily, you know, there's absolutely no obligation. People who suffer and are tired of suffering and want to find a door out of their suffering, the work can offer one. However, it's, it'll be up to them to cross that uh, door, you know, to, to take that door to, to enter another space or not. Um, to, to leave to leave the prison of our mind, the very convincing prison of our mind that tells us how bad the world is, how bad I am, how bad such and such a person is. It's a prison and it's a torture chamber. And, um, Do you notice maybe 
people who suffer a lot lack responsibility in their actions or in their parts in the story or in the work in what they're going through no that's not the way i would put it um Once you believe a thought, a thought is harmless unless you believe it. Once you believe it, it calls the shots. It makes you um, feel things that are very uncomfortable, like fear or anger. Or, and then it makes you uh, act in ways that you are often not very proud of, that you regret. Okay? And it leads you to a, a life that doesn't suit you. So I wouldn't say that they lack responsibility. It's more that they are not conscious of certain things. We are literally hypnotized by our thoughts. So we act like um, sleepwalkers. They pull the strings, they call the shots, and we become like a, a puppet to them. And for some of us, and it's like a grace, we get to see what's happening. We get to see that the mind is um, is piloting our emotional life and our behavior. And once we become conscious of this, then we've got some power to change. But we cannot change what we haven't become conscious of. That's a pre-requirement. So it's not that they lack responsibility, they, they are just confused. They're just people who believe their thoughts. Understandably so, because those thoughts are so convincing. Um, thank you. As we come to a close, I would like to finish by taking on the notion of compassion. Because right now, as I was the, my view of lacking responsibility. You rightly said, if I'm, that's my take on it, no, it's not that they lack responsibility, it's a matter of confusion. So as I was, uh, I did a lot of sessions with you in the past few years, and um, it's not that I felt your compassion, I felt your neutrality as if you had no judgment on somebody's thoughts and you stayed, you stayed neutral throughout the process, holding somebody's hands as they walk through clarity out of that confusion. Um, has it brought to you as doing this work brought to you compassion or would you, would you just call it neutrality? What is, you know, how would you describe that accompanying people who want to get out of the fog? Um, basically, for me, the, the, the people that I uh, do the work with, they are like, I see them like little children having, enough, having a, a nightmare. Right? So of course I feel compassion for them. Oh my goodness, they believe nobody likes them. How painful must that be? So of course, um, 
compassion is one of the things that move me. And when I'm faced with their belief system, for example, nobody likes me in this world, okay? Um, I, I don't believe that thought that they believe, okay? So that's where the neutrality comes in. There's no way they could convince me of that, okay? Even though sometimes they try. Um, no. <laughs> but my job is... Uh, there's a framework to what I do. I have four questions, turnarounds, and examples to guide them through. It's like it's like a sign, signposts to their freedom. Okay, and yes, it is like taking them on that path. It's like showing them the signposts and say, "Hey, we're going to answer some questions here. Like, is it true? And we're going to see what happens at the end of this process. Do you want to come with me? Okay, of course." Um, it's something that they choose to do or some, for some of them choose not to do. And that's okay with me. But I can never believe what they believe. No matter how convincing their mind is, it cannot convince me that uh, what they believe is true. I don't know if that answers your question. It does, it does. And it shows. I been frustrated with you at some at times because I wanted to convince you that what I believe was true and yeah and usually, you were not taking it. Usually people try to convince me that they're a victim, but that's basically the way it's seeing themselves as a victim that hurts them. So if I was to caution that, if I was to um if I was to um, agree with them on that. I would be there to reinforce their suffering. There are no victims in, in this world. They are just people who believe their thoughts. What would you say now with what is going on in Ukraine? Are the Ukrainians not victims? Okay, are you talking about bodies? Are you talking about minds? I, right. I deal with the mind, okay? And personally, I've uh, thought a lot about this Putin character, right? Which, of course, I don't, I've never met the guy, so I don't know who he is. But I have an image in my mind of that guy, okay? An image that's been, uh, that I've, I've got from the media, from what I've read, what I've seen. Of course, it's not him. But what I do know is that if I believed what, what he believes, I would, I would act like him. And there are times I believe, not about the Ukrainians, but for example, about the, some bugs in my garden that, hey, I wish they were not there. I'm going to bomb them with whatever. Or do you know what I mean? Um, if I believe I know what, you what mean. he believes, I, I be, become like him. And I'm sure we can, we can all find uh, a moment in our life where we wanted to destroy someone or something. Okay, for example, we had an infection and we took an antibiotic. We wanted to destroy. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take antibiotics. That's not what I mean. I don't know about that. Everybody does what feels right for them. I'm not... Um, here to dictate how people should live their mind. 
which lives their life. But for example, there's two ways of taking an antibiotic. There's one is, well, I'm, I've got an infection. My doctor says so, I'm going to take an antibiotic. Or there's those bugs, they're terrible. They really want to destroy me and I'm going to bomb them with antibiotics. So there's two ways of taking a medicine and there's two ways of doing more or less everything. One is in anger and fear and hate, hatred. And the other way is very different. So anyways, um, what's happening in Ukraine saddens me a lot. And I may surprise you by saying that I feel a lot of compassion for the refugees. Actually, we probably uh -huh. take some under our roof here. But funnily enough, I feel a lot of compassion for Putin as well. The poor guy is, has a mind. He believes his thoughts. And that cannot be funny. Yeah. Margot, if people want to do one-on-ones with you or retreats with you, where can they find you, please? And oh, what have, is... Yes. yes. I have a website. It's in French. It's le bonheur en question, or question with an S dot F-R. If you type in Margot Diskin, you'll probably find my website. And I offer one-on-one -on -one sessions in French, in English. I offer retreats in my own place where people can come and immerse themselves in the work. I offer um, uh, webinars and I also have a, an online course, which I'm very happy with, I have to say. However, it's in French so far. I might translate it into English in some future. I offer um, weekend workshops and so on. Um, the best thing is to contact me. My email address is margodiskin at gmail.com or margot at, at the name of my website, .fr. And um, if people tell me what they are looking for, what their needs are and their expectations, we can find, I'm sure, some way of supporting them through getting free from the torment of the mind, the torments of the mind, yeah. Thank you so much, Margot. You have definitely been a life changer, a catalyst for my change um, and for the way I see things. Yeah. And um, not taking my victimized mentality has kind of empowered me in the end mm -hmm. yeah it's very empowering and and it's it's what was also beautiful is that when i was ready to open up and for my heart to finally open and to see differently i had so many synchronicities and events occurring that same week wanting to show me a different way Mm. life is on your side it's on the side of your heart for sure mm. so as your thank opens, you as your mind clears your heart opens as your heart opens you notice how life has been kind and and um and supportive so 
le bonheur en question will be, I will write it down on, um, below the podcast and on my newsletter. I thank you again for your time, Margot. It's been an absolutely pleasure to reconnect with you and Likewise. to dive into this meditation with you, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you again. My pleasure. And thank you, Vanessa. I, it's, it's been a, a very um, joyful interview for me. Bye thank for you. Now. Bye.